MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, November 5th, 2021. Today we have new details about the investigation into Rudy Giuliani. The special counsel John Durham has indicted a Russian source for the Steele dossier. A federal judge hears arguments in the Trump National Archives executive privilege case. The January 6th committee chair, Benny Thompson, says he's signed about 20 new subpoenas. Smartmatic has a couple of new lawsuits. And the Manhattan District Attorney has impaneled a new six-month special grand jury in the Trump Organization probe. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hello, everyone. It is AG, Allison Gill. Dana is out today and next week, but Amy Carrero will be joining me for the good news later in the episode. She's been gone doing, you know, movie star stuff, but she's back now. And uh, I'll also be talking today with the host of Justice Matters, Glenn Kirshner, who was in the courtroom during the Trump Executive Privilege National Archives hearing today. So we'll get a firsthand account of what went down with that federal judge. And this weekend, you will definitely want to check out Mueller, she wrote, and the MSW Book Club. For the MSW Book Club, we are beginning the Alexander Vindman book, Here Right Matters. And for Mueller, she wrote, you're, you're going to find out as soon as we start to get into the hot notes why you're going to want to listen to Mueller, she wrote this weekend. Today was a big news day for all things Mueller and uh, Trump Russia. So stick around, stay tuned. We do have a lot to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Such a massive news day. I don't even know where to begin. Other than to tell you that the Durham indictment you heard about today is bullshit, and I'll be going over it in depth with some thoughts from former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence and host of the Bureau podcast, Frank Faglusi, on this weekend's Mueller, she wrote. We're going to have that discussion. I'm going to go in depth into the actual indictment. We're going to talk to Frank about it, too. But to sum up, Durham indicted a Russian source for the Steele dossier and implied in his 37 or whatever, 33-page indictment for lying to the FBI, which is kind of what he did in the Sussman indictment. He's trying to do like a narrative. He indicted this Russian source and implied that the dossier, the Steele dossier, was somehow the catalyst for opening Crossfire Hurricane, the Trump-Russia probe, and the Mueller investigation, and the Carter Page FISA warrant. And as we know, the Department of Justice Inspector General has debunked all of that. Those were all false narratives pushed forward by the Trump campaign and Bill Barr and a little bit, even a little bit by uh, Rod Rosenstein. So anyway, we know the Steele dossier didn't play any substantial role in the investigations or that FISA warrant being obtained. In fact, the lie that Durham is indicting this guy for happened over a year after the Russia probe was opened. We have, yet again, a wordy political indictment with no substance and no materiality. But that's not the point, right? All Durham has to do is make the indictments. He doesn't have to win them. Just sort of like make the announcement of the investigation into Burisma and Biden. Zelensky, just make the announcement. You don't have to do it. Or, hey, Department of Justice, just say the election was corrupt. You don't even actually have to prove for anything. This is the way. This is the way it goes. I'm also curious as to what grand jury is going along with these. I mean, I know I've heard a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich, but like this is (laughs) so far beyond ham sandwich. 
Either way, neither of these indictments are based in fact or law. They will not survive. And again, we'll be going over it in depth on Mueller She Wrote this Sunday. Another lead story that I will cover on Mueller She Wrote is from The Guardian and the intrepid reporter Murray Wass. The high-profile federal criminal investigation of Rudy Giuliani in recent days has zeroed in on evidence in the spring of 2019 that three Ukrainian government prosecutors agreed to award contracts valued in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to Rudy Giuliani and two other American attorneys, also known as Tonzig and DeGeneva, as a way to gain political and personal influence with the Trump administration. Wass goes on to say federal investigators believe Giuliani and the two attorneys who worked closely with him, that's Tonzig and DeGeneva, probably violated federal transparency laws. That's the FARA laws that we talk about that require foreign agents to register with the Department of Justice and fully disclose details of uh, each such action they undertook on behalf of foreign interests. Federal prosecutors in the Southern District have compiled a list of more than two dozen specific acts by Giuliani, Tonzig, and DeGeneva on how to advance the personal and political interests of a group of Ukrainian prosecutors and political factions in Ukraine with which they were aligned. That's news. That's brand new. And there's so much to this story. So please, again, join me this Sunday for Mueller She Wrote. I'm going to go down and break this all down in detail. Also, today, Smartmatic, that voting technology company that's suing Fox News, some of its hosts and a pro-Trump lawyer, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, for example, for defamation, is now adding Newsmax and OAN, One America News Network, to the list of people they're suing. Smartmatic's lawyers filed defamation suits against the two hard-right TV networks on Wednesday, the one-year anniversary of Election Day 2020. Quote, despite claims to provide viewers with honest, unbiased reporting, these outlets victimized Smartmatic by spreading false information about the company following last year's election, all in their efforts to increase viewership and revenue. That's J. Eric Connolly, one of the attorneys representing Smartmatic, commenting there. Smartmatic filed suit against Newsmax Media and Superior Court in Delaware. The lawsuit charged that Newsmax published dozens of reports indicating that Smartmatic participated in a criminal conspiracy to rig and steal the 2020 U.S. election and that its technology and software were used to switch votes from Trump to Biden. Smartmatic said in the lawsuits that both networks are responsible for disinformation campaigns that harmed Smartmatic and negatively impacted the company's business. This is the same charge Smartmatic leveled at Fox News in February when it filed a defamation suit against the network for $2.7 billion with a B. Fox has sought to get that suit dismissed. Another voting tech company, Dominion, as we know, filed defamation suits against those two networks in August. Dominion previously sued Fox in March. And Democratic Rep. Benny Thompson, the chair of the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol, told reporters that he signed about 20 subpoenas recently and that they are going out, quote-unquote, soon, possibly by Friday, today. Thompson would not confirm if John Eastman was among those who had been subpoenaed, but said that the next batch of subpoenas, some of the people have been written about, and some of the people haven't been written about. I wonder who's on this list that we haven't heard of. That'll be interesting. Asked if there are any lawmakers the committee is planning to subpoena, Thompson said not yet. Interesting. And finally, the Manhattan District Attorney has convened a second special grand jury to hear evidence about the Trump Organization's financial practices and potentially to vote on criminal charges. And that's according to people with knowledge of the matter. An earlier grand jury convened this spring in Manhattan returned felony indictments against two Trump companies and Trump's longtime chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, charging them with tax evasion. It's unclear whether the grand jury is still hearing evidence about the Trump Organization. 
The new grand jury is assigned to meet three days a week over six months, same as this other one. That's according to people familiar with the grand jury. It was expected to hear evidence on Thursday, meeting in Manhattan surrogate's court, usually a forum for disputes over the estates of the deceased because the criminal court buildings are jammed with a rush of post-pandemic trials. Another person familiar with the matter said the second grand jury was expected to examine how Donald and his company valued its assets. The people familiar spoke on the condition of anonymity. That appears to be a separate issue from the one described in indictments from the first grand jury, which dealt with allegations of that Weisselberg and Trump evaded taxes on their pay, payroll, by systematically hiding some of their compensation from the IRS. Basically handing people bags of money. Now, the second grand jury's term indicates that it could outlast Cy Vance's tenure. He leaves office at the end of the year. And he's, his successor is Alvin Bragg, supposed to take over January 1st. Vance declined to comment Thursday. Bragg previously declined to talk about the Trump case while campaigning. We know New York Attorney General Tish James, who has joined forces with Vance, said in a court filing last year her office was investigating Trump's valuations of three properties, a Los Angeles golf course, a Manhattan office building, and an estate in suburban New York called Seven Springs. James's filing says she was interested in a conservation easement that Trump obtained on the Seven Springs property in 2015, giving him tax benefits in exchange for renouncing his right to build houses on part of the estate. Trump boosted the value of the tax break by estimating that the land would have brought him $21 million if he sold it. Now, if I had a nickel for every time the words conservation easement came out of my mouth in the last year, I would have enough money to buy Seven Springs estates. Tish James also indicated in the filing last year that she was interested in valuations of Trump's golf course in Los Angeles, where in 2014, Trump obtained a conservation easement that he said lowered the property value by $25 million. James did not say why she was interested in Trump's office building at 40 Wall Street in Manhattan. (laughs) Vance's office, which is convening the new grand jury, has given far less details about its investigation of property valuations. Now, let's keep in mind the prosecutors from the New York Attorney General's office and the former U.S. Attorney Pomerantz are likely running this case in Manhattan in the district attorney's office and not so much Vance, right? Because he's retiring at the end of the year. He did say he was going to make a charging decision before he left office. But with this impaneling of the new grand jury for six more months, I don't know if they're going to. I mean, I guess they sort of did when they charged the Trump organization in Weisselberg, if that counts. I've been saying that Pomerantz would bridge the probe between, you know, from Vance to the new district attorney. And that continues to be by my belief. He's been conducting most of the interviews with the grand jury anyway. All right. Today, we had a hearing in federal court about Trump's executive privilege and legislative purpose claims regarding the National Archives documents. And joining me next is a man that was in the courtroom as it happened, host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the beans. Let me ask you a question. Are you getting enough? I bet you'd love more. Well, our sponsor today, adamandeve.com, wants to give you more with 50% off just about any item plus free shipping on your entire order. You know, for more than 50 years, Adam and Eve has built a reputation as a trusted and reliable adult toy store that takes pleasure and privacy seriously. When you want to shop erotic toys, Adam and Eve has it all. Men and women, straight or gay, anywhere in between, Adam and Eve has everything you're looking for in an amazing variety of erotic products. So what do you have to do to get your 50% off one item with free shipping? It's not hard. Just go to adamandeve.com. Select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. And just enter offer code DAILYBEANS, all one word at checkout, and you'll get 50% off almost any item. So go check out adamandeve.com today. Select one item and get 50% off, including free shipping, 
when you enter offer code DAILYBEANS, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S at adamandeve.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Glamnetic. If you're feeling tired of lash glue, you are not alone. It is so frustrating and itchy and heavy and yucky and hard to clean off. And then the lashes are ruined. Well, now you have to get Instagram's hottest makeup brand in your makeup bag. You will never have to struggle with glue again. It's called Glamnetic. They have six magnet lashes and they're one of a kind made to stay on all day. They apply in just a second. Lash glue doesn't stand a chance in comparison. I'm obsessed with these lashes and you can be too. Glamnetic's magnetic eyelashes are amazing. They take under a minute to apply with no toxic glue, no struggle, and you get up to 60 uses per lash. That's way more eco-friendly and wallet-friendly. With over 75 styles to find your perfect fit from natural to full glam, you get a different lash for every mood and every occasion. Take their lash quiz or use their lash guide to find the style that suits you best. Plus, they have vegan and cruelty-free options available. Over 500,000 happy customers cannot be wrong. Plus, they have a 100% money-back guarantee with expedited shipping and free shipping in the U.S. and Canada on orders over 30 bucks. Find out yourself why Glamnetic lashes are Instagram's favorite beauty hack. Go to glamnetic.com slash beans. Enter promo code beans for 30% off your order. The code is only available for you. This glamnetic.com slash beans and enter promo code beans at checkout for 30% off. I promise these lashes literally apply themselves. Everybody, welcome back. I'm happy to be joined today by the host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner, former federal prosecutor for, you know, just a couple of years, right, Glenn? Uh, a few decades, but yeah, who's counting? <laughs> we all are, actually. <laughs> we're all counting. Talking about counting, I want to talk to you about Bannon. But first, you were in the courtroom today as we had the, what, what people have been calling the Trump executive privilege hearing, but which is really more of a legislative purpose hearing, isn't it? Yeah, but of course, you know, there clearly is a legislative purpose for what Congress is doing, what it's investigating. And Judge Tanya Chutkin, who I know from uh, trying murder cases against her back in the day, we used to tangle in Superior Court, and she was a great public defender. She's a strong, smart, fearless attorney. She's going to get this litigation right. And importantly, she's doing it at light speed. She's not letting the nefarious litigant, Donald Trump, weaponize the delay. So I have nothing but high praise for Tanya Chutkin. And that is reinforced by what I saw today in the courtroom. Uh, because when, the, when Trump's lawyer, Justin Clark, suggested that, well, maybe Congress doesn't really have a legislative purpose regarding all of this, she said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. So you're saying that Donald Trump's notes and his phone calls and the logs and all of this evidence surrounding January 6th has absolutely no relation to any legislation Congress might be considering to help fix this problem. She said, you know, this did happen right in the Capitol, in Congress's house. So I think she uh, made pretty short order of the no legislative purpose argument. And it just sort of devolved from there. Hmm. And and speaking of, of legislative purpose, I was wondering if the House lawyer, uh, was it Doug Letter who was who was arguing today? It was Doug Letter, yeah. I, I was wondering if he said, well, actually, uh, Judge, you know, not to use a mansplaining term, but uh, actually, uh, Judge, uh, the, the, they are looking at amending the Electoral Count Act. They, they are working for a legislative purpose. Not that we need one or not that it's not obvious. But did he bring up the fact that they were looking at the Electoral Count Act today? I think he did mention that, if I'm recalling correctly. I took like 19 pages of handwritten notes, and I can only read some of them. 
when I try to write that fast. I, I know he, he touched on the legislative purpose argument, and he may have actually said the Electoral College Count Act was one of the many ways they could go about addressing the need for legislation. So, But as I say, the judge summarily dismissed, in my view, that argument. And then she just kind of knocked down each and every argument this Justin Clark lawyer made. I guess this is the not to disparage him, but this is the kind of lawyer you get when, you know, the client never pays his lawyers. We're on, you know, the fourth or fifth tier now of lawyers for Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, true. And we know that we've talked to Terry Canfield yesterday. What's being argued here is whether or not a preliminary injunction will be placed. This isn't a merits hearing, so to speak. And we know that the archives has said, well, we're going to start handing it over on November 12th unless the court tells us not to. I think Donald is facing a real timing problem here, but I can see the courts bend over backwards as they have in the past to say, we will give you enough time to file your appeal. We will grant an emergency injunctive relief, even though that's very rare and probably shouldn't be done in this case because he's not the sitting president anymore. And he hasn't even in his briefings given reasons for getting injunctive relief. He's only been arguing on the merits, uh, which is just bad lawyering. So what, what do you think of all that? What do you make of that? Yeah. So a, a couple of things. First of all, for injunctive relief, you need to prove that there's harm here. And the judge asked very pointedly, what is the harm to Donald Trump? And the lawyer had, well, bupkis, So the lawyer had to backtrack and say, well, harm is to the office of the presidency. The harm is to the institution to which Judge Chutkin rightly responded. Well, wait a minute. Who is it under the Presidential Records Act that gets to decide whether there's harm to the presidency, to the institution? That would be the current president. And he's made that decision. Former presidents don't get to make that decision. So what else have you got on the harm front? And again, the lawyer had bupkis. There really was no winning argument coming from Donald Trump's lawyer. But you hit the nail on the head on, on, on the question of, OK, during the appeal, because there will be one once Donald Trump loses, what happens? And there are two parts to that question. Let's assume Judge Chutkin in the coming days, and I think we're going to get her ruling very quickly. She mentioned that the first batch of documents, I think, are scheduled to go over on November 12th. The, the first question is, if she rules that the documents should be turned over and Trump's lawyer files a request for a stay, don't turn them over while we file our appeal, she doesn't have to grant that. She can say, denied. I've made my ruling. You have no legal leg to stand on. Then, of course, we'll have to run to the appellate court and seek a stay. I don't think the courts should grant a stay. Why? Because that will be allowing Donald Trump again to weaponize the delay built into the system and try to run out the clock. So here's what the court can do. And something similar to this is done all the time in criminal litigation on issues of discovery. The court can say, we are not going to stay the production of these materials. We're going to direct that they can be given over to the House Select Committee, but we're going to issue a protective order. That protective order will say something like, and it can be fashioned in any number of ways. The House Select Committee can get these materials, can begin to work with them as part of their investigation, but they can't distribute them. Maybe they can't even 
um, question witnesses yet based on what they're learning in these materials until the appellate, the appellate processes further along. There are any number of ways that you can sort of split the baby. I just hope to heck the courts have learned their lesson. They don't fall right back into the trap of letting Donald Trump weaponize the delay. Yeah, no, agreed. And I think he doesn't he has less of a leg to stand on as he's not the current sitting president, as he did with his previous legislative purpose arguments in the Mazars case or the tax case with the House Ways and Means Committee, which doesn't require any legislative purpose. But he was still able to languish that in the courts and run the clock out. I have a couple more questions for you with regards to this and Bannon and how they might be connected. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? I will. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this Helping of Beans is brought to you by Lettuce Grow. Most people's first experience with growing vegetables uh, never gets past the first step, like me, planting the seeds. Because of this, most people just revert back to buying their produce at the grocery store, like me, and wondering if it's really good for them. It's not. Lettuce Grow is here to help you with a hydroponic garden that can easily grow fruits and veggies. No green thumb is required. You've seen the Lettuce Grow farm stand all over social media. It's self-watering, self-fertilizing, hydroponic. It allows you to grow your own farm fresh produce at home. Over 200 varieties of fruits and veggies, including edible flowers, which I love for cocktails, tomatoes, strawberries, and even eggplant. With only five minutes of maintenance a week, that's so much. That's so much time. I'd like I, that I would save with regular gardening. Uh, you can grow up to 36 plants at once. You get pre-grown seedlings that are non-GMO, never exposed to harmful chemicals or additives, and ready to harvest in just four to six weeks. It uses 95% less water than traditional gardening, so there's no waste. And it's only four square feet of space that's needed, indoors or outdoors. It's made of food-grade, environmentally friendly materials. And for every 10 sold, they donate one to a school or nonprofit organization. So go to lettucegrow.com beans to shop the farm stand. And be sure to use promo code beans at checkout. You'll get $50 off the farm stand. 90-day guarantee, and we have a less than 1% return rate. That's $50 off the farm stand at lettucegrow, L-E-T-T-U-C-E, grow.com beans. And thanks to Lettuce Grow for sponsoring the show. Today's show is also brought to you by Monk Pack. Healthy snacks have a really bad reputation because, well, most of them are gross and they're not filling. They don't satisfy that snack craving. But this portion of the show is sponsored by Monk Pack. They make snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. They're keto granola bars from Monk Pack. They contain just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories. They're gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, non-GMO. They have no soy, no trans fat, no sugar alcohols, or high-intensity sweeteners. And you don't have to be keto to love these. They're just healthy snacks that you can keep around the house all the time. They come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip, peanut butter, and blueberry almond vanilla. My favorite right now is the coconut cocoa chip. It's a great combination with the chocolate and the coconut. The chewy texture is amazing. And there's no high-intensity sweetener or weird aftertaste. So try it for yourself and you'll see. Good, clean, delicious snacks. And we have a special deal for you. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com, entering code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident and they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So there's no risk here. To get started, just go to Monk Pack, M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com, select any product, enter the code DAILYBEANS, all one word at checkout, and save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on, and we thank them for sponsoring the show. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with the host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, before the break, I had mentioned that Bannon might be involved in this as well, because I had heard rumors and I think I had talked to you offline. And also our friend Hugo Lowell from The Guardian had heard rumblings within the Congress of the Select Committee that the Department of Justice, with regards to the Bannon criminal referral for contempt of Congress, was perhaps delaying indictment until a court ruled on a legislative purpose. Now, 
a Bannon legislative purpose would be different from a Trump legislative purpose, but not anymore. And the reason is because in the Department of Justice filing in this Trump case, in the Trump executive privilege case, as they're calling it, the, the National Archives case, they mentioned Bannon and how he wanted to stop the electoral count. And they also we know that the that the committee is looking at the Electoral Count Act. So I think if there is any delay whatsoever in indicting Bannon, which I know we're doing a indictment watch on Bannon, the I think the only thing they might be waiting for is a ruling from this court if they're waiting for anything at all. Yeah. And I think we are always trying to find some common sense reason for the delay, the delay that is unacceptable, the delay that is dangerous to our democracy. And this is what we have come up with recently. And it may very well be they are waiting for that outcome on on the legislative purpose issue. I, I think if they are, they're wrong. Not only are they wrong, I think they're dead wrong. Because what you do when somebody is in contempt of Congress, voted in contempt of Congress, referred for criminal prosecution, the federal law says that matter shall be presented to the grand jury for its action. And the only reasonable action of the grand jury would be to indict him. Then, in his defense, if he wants to argue the the legislative purpose or the executive privilege or anything else, let him do it. He will lose. Hands down, he will lose. But that's not a good reason to front load delay while you try to do some legal navel gazing and troubleshoot what might happen after you indict Steve Bannon. No, let's get the justice show on the road. Let's indict Steve Bannon. Let's have some respect for Congress's power and authority to enforce its own subpoenas and make some progress toward investigating the attack on our democracy. Enough with the legal navel gazing, if in fact that's what's going on and that's what's holding up a ban and indictment. Right. If, if that's what's going on. And I and we should emphasize that. And I've, I've said the same thing. I think that there is there's T crossing and I dotting. And then there's extreme T crossing and I where you try to come up with every possible scenario when you don't need it. You know, I've been saying, hey, you don't just indict people and then ask questions later. But here we have a clear violation of the law just point blank. It is illegal. And like you said, I think it undermines the power, the constitutionally granted power that Congress has to do this. Uh, And it's this whole sort of in the last year, we've just a few years, we've seen this wedge driven in between the power of the executive and the power of Congress. And they're supposed to be co-equal branches of government. And this just would, if that's what's happening, would just make that wedge a little bit bigger, in my opinion. And Congress neuters itself every time, you know, I I call them the treasonous 202 that voted against enforcing their own subpoena. They're neutering themselves. They're saying, please take our power. We're really a second class branch of government, not co-equal. And, you know, that may feel good in the moment because you think you're retaining some of Donald Trump's base. But boy, are you going to lose in the long run? You're giving away your own power. Yeah. Although I will say that, you know, Republicans, at least the new party, the Trump Republicans are are hell bent on destroying government. And I think that they're more about an all powerful executive and less about a co-equal branch, even if it's even if that means themselves 
I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm yeah, incorrect. But, but you know that. what? Dictators don't have the time of day for co-equal branches of government. So they mm-hmm. they really want Donald Trump or the next autocrat coming up behind him. Well, you know what? They might as well give up all power. Yeah, true. Absolutely true. I thank you, sir. And it must have been just kind of amazing to to be back in the court with the judge that you used to try murders against. Yeah, it was fun. And I I missed the court. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I was talking to the head administrator of the court today because people are still dialing in because they don't realize court is open again. But even he was saying, will you spread the word that court's open? Because, you know, we like it when people come to these public proceedings. All right, everybody hear that? Court's open. (laughs) Thank you so much. Everybody tune into Justice Matters. I appreciate your time. Glenn Kirshner, thanks. All right. Good talking to you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG bringing you the Daily Beans. And this segment of the show is sponsored by Upstart. With a credit balance hanging over your head month after month with high interest, it seems like you're in a never ending cycle of debt without any relief because you are. With those high interest rates, you just make the minimum payment. The balance doesn't budge. But you can make that final payment with Upstart and take control of your debt. It's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan with Upstart. Over a million people have used Upstart to consolidate high interest credit cards, pay off high interest debt or student loans or fun personal expenses with one fixed monthly payment. Upstart looks beyond your credit history to find you a better loan rate by considering other factors like your income or employment history. And you can check your rate free right now in just a couple of minutes without impacting your credit score. It's a soft pull. And, you know, they can fund you as fast as one business day after accepting your loan on loans from one to $50,000. It's it's awesome. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payment today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and other certain information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by Hunter Douglas. They make amazing blinds and window treatments. Uh, I just recently did some remodeling stuff, and I absolutely loved the Hunter Douglas experience. They they have these innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and this control system, which is so advanced, I can program it to automatically adjust throughout the day. It's the way the shade sometimes diffuses the harsh light. That's amazing. It's got beautiful glow across the room. Or I can enjoy the view outside while people can't see in. Or maybe it's the superior insulation they provide, keeps us warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer, lowered my utility bills, so I'm putting less of a strain on the grid. Uh, And also that, you know, you get that Goldilocks moment when you walk in the room and everything just feels right. With Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, you can set the shades to adjust automatically to achieve the perfect blend of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. You can check out their website for all their custom windows, blinds, shades, shutters, and draperies. You'll love discovering how Hunter Douglas window treatments transform the light in your home, elevating everyday life and defining the mood in every room. So live beautifully through Hunter Douglas, and you can enjoy greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash DailyBeans today to take advantage of the Season of Style Rebate Savings event. Huge savings at HunterDouglas.com slash DailyBeans for a limited time. Offer expires December 6th, 2021. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. OMG, joining me today for the good news. I haven't seen you in forever. Is Amy Carrero. Hi, it's been two months. It has been so long. You've been doing movie star stuff and that's cool. It was cool, but I did miss my beans, I have to say. But I was just telling you off. I was in Savannah for two months and I'm happy to be back here. It was very beautiful, but lots of non-masks. 
Mm, yeah. That's but, you know, no one no one on the production caught COVID. So I think everybody because we were all vaccinated. So that's good. So vaccines work. Yeah. Get vaccinated. The productions have like pretty strict rules yeah. for testing and COVID and masks and stuff. So yep, I always yep. felt super safe when I was on set recently yeah. for doing a thing. Ooh. That I'll talk about. Can you can't you time. can't say it. Well, I want to know. It wasn't with like Ryan Reynolds or anything. Oh, you mean, but I mean, I'm just saying it doesn't have to be with Ryan Reynolds to be exciting and very hot. Yeah, Although it helps. It does. It does, yeah. it does help. <laughs> I have to say. It does help. Uh, I'm sure that he, you know, expressed like, hey, wow, I heard you've been on the Daily Beans before. Yeah. Will you tell AG that I'm absolutely madly in love with Correct. her and stuff? And I was yeah. like, you stop it, Ryan. You're married. I'm not yeah. I'm not going to be a part of this. You you write her if you want to. Yeah. Don't be the middle person between no. that kind of. You don't need that yeah. love triangle. I don't. Girl. He did slip me a note. He was like, AG, I love you so much. <laughs> And I was like, look, I'm not going to give it to her, but I will tell her about it on the air. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Ryan. Maybe in another life, baby. Yeah, maybe you'll get lucky next time. (laughs) So if you have any good news or, you know, now that Amy's back, if you need to settle a dispute in Amy's court. Well, yeah, we were doing that with Dana as the judge, and she did a really wonderful job, Amy, I must say, in your absence. I, you know what? And I bet you she was like way more legally professional and smart. So I can't, you know, I, I, now, now you're just going to be disappointed because all I'm just going to do is like side with the cat, which is what I usually do. That would never disappoint me, Amy. Thanks. But if anyone has anything they want to send in, including keep those Halloween pictures coming, pets, kids, parents, you, whatever, I want to see the Halloween costumes. And you can send everything in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Amy, I'm going to kick us off with a submission from Anonymous. Pronouns he and him. Love the beans. I imagine there are a few people calling this out, knowing that a good portion of your audience self-identify as pedants. Mm. If Terry Canfield is a she, her, then she's oh. an alumna uh, of Cal, not an alumnus. Mm. He, him is an alumnus. Plural he, him and mixed gender is alumni. Mm. Plural she, her is alumnae. I'm not sure what they, them singular version is. I thought they were going with alumnus on that, which is kind of why I stuck that in there. But Anonymous says perhaps a gender neutral group could be alumnix. Oh, interesting. It sounds cooler. It does. I want to be alumnix. I want to be alumnix. I'm an alumnix of FIU, baby. Ever heard of it? Ooh. No, you haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was a lumberjack at Northern Arizona. So, (laughs) yeah. For pet tax, Anonymous has included a pick of Willow from the San Francisco SPCA. That's sfspca.org. And Willow is up for adoption. Thank you again and keep up the good work. Look at the baby. What a beauty. Wow, look at those whiskeys. Yes, that's, that's some look- serious gorge. This looks a lot like, um, <laughs> okay, this first of all, this looks like Bruce Willis, but it also yeah. looks like there's something very dirty happening on his face. And oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, how did how are those whiskers sticking up so, uh, just so? And now I want this cat just yeah, for the, that reason. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, dirty this cat. is a beauty. This is a beauty. This would be an instant Instagram star. For sure. Willow is a is a is a a lady in the streets, but a freak in the sheets. That's outdated. (laughs) We got to come up with something better than that. You know, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, "Mm, that's not right. Yeah. So we got to come up with something better, like like very sweet looking, but has a, you know, dirty side. Right. You know, definitely. Wiley. This is a Wiley cat. Wiley Willow. I I love her. 
Love it, love it. Okay, next up from Ashley, pronouns she, her, submitting our adult Halloween fuckery. We spent Halloween with friends in Bonner County, Idaho. This is in the Idaho panhandle, and like most of the red states, does not believe that COVID exists. <laughs> Enter the husbands, a.k.a. a plague doctor and death. The best part, they did not plan these costumes. They were purchased at completely different times. No way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That's really good. That's really good. good. The gloves are cool with the extra long fingies. There's just something about that plague mask that really just freaks me out. It's creepy, right? It's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The bird beaky thing. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, chills. Next up from Emily, pronoun she and her. Hi, Allison, Dana, and Amy. I got some good news last week that had this had me buzzing with excitement ever since. And I'm dying to share it with people, but it doesn't mean much to people other than me yet. I hope that you and the audience will help validate my feelings. I'm a self-published author. My children's book came out in late 2019. I'm very proud of the work, but it can be hard for self-published works to get noticed in the crowd. They're often dismissed for being inferior to traditionally published books, but a lot of work went into this. I originally wrote the text in 2013, then workshopped it for years in a writing critique group. I finally found an artist, a local friend, who spent two years creating really beautiful watercolor illustrations. I researched publishers, agonized over the layout, made sure the print quality was good. 2020 was supposed to be a year of promotion and school author visits, but life had different ideas. I'm making this story too long, but back in May, I discovered a contest just for self-published authors of all genres and submitted my book via PDF as was requested. The winners will not be announced until February 2022, so I've resigned myself to waiting that long for any news. But Last week, I got an email stating that my book is doing well, is advancing to the next round and requesting a physical copy of the book be mailed to the contest headquarters. I have mailed it off and realized I still have to wait until February to hear the results. But the fact that out of over 2000 entries, mine is still being considered gives me great hope and encouragement. Thanks for listening. I'm submitting a picture of Ruby, the double doodle, which is a labradoodle golden doodle mix. Holy shit. Double doodle. But not in the scorpion Halloween costume uh, my son picked out for her as she would not keep it on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also attaching pictures of my kids in their Halloween costumes. My nine year old came up with a very clever costume. Can you guess what she is? Answer below. Oh All right, my let's see. Yeah. So here's okay. the double doodle. Look double at the doodle. long legs. Long legs. Baby. Not as curly as I expected, but just as cute. She is. I know what she is. Immediately, I know what she is. She's very smart. She's the lion, the witch, <gasps> and the wardrobe. Look at that. Wow. That's awesome. That's really cool. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so fun fact about me. When I used to do community theater in Miami, Florida, my very first play was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I played a statue. Mm, of course you did. And the girl next to me, you know, we're supposed to stay in the same position for like 20 minutes. She mm-hmm. was having a bad day and she threw up on stage and she threw up and went back to her pose. And I was like staring at the bar for 20 minutes. Dude, she went method on that. Yeah, it was real. It was real rough. But anyway, wish I had tape. <sighs> and look at these other two, though, the Spider-Man. And then the, I love this. I love these outfits. These oh, costumes are adorable. Cuties. Thank you for sending me these. And good job wearing the masks, kiddos. Oh, there's a book. Yep. Here's Whirl of a Girl. Oh, what a great name. 
It is. I love it. For then, and then we have Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, also pictured our number six from the show Number Blocks. Mm. I was wondering what that was on Netflix. Awesome. And Spider-Man, thank you for your great show. I missed hearing both of you together last week, but glad you got some time off. Oh, that was for Dana, but Amy is back after two months. Yay. They've forgotten about me. That's okay. I'm going to get you back. Get you back. Do it. Do it. So cool. That's awesome. Okay. Next up from Mimi G. You know what? That's my that's my best friend's name, Mimi G. So I wonder if she's been listening. Oh, no, she doesn't raise horses. So there's that. OK. Hello, Lady Beans. AG and Dana oohed and odd over pics of a listener's horse in costume the, in another day's episode. Knowing AG likes horses inspired me to share mine. While not in costume, I wanted to share pics of my horse, Tyler. He's a 16.3 hand thoroughbred former Holy unsuccessful racehorse. I know. 16.3 hands. Okay. So that's how you measure a horse is from the oh. ground to the withers by hands. Right. Oh, and 16.3 is a big, tall horse. I think that's taller than me, which may be. I'm 5'1", so it's not hard. His <laughs> second career was as a show jumper. I bought him when he was 14 with the intent to compete in hunter jumpers and low level eventing. He showed very successfully a few times, but I developed back issues and was never able to reach our potential. Given his age, I wouldn't dream of selling him as the fear of him ending up on a slaughter truck was just too great. While I can't compete like I intended, we've done several hunter pace events. We've fox hunted and he has loved being a pleasure and lesson horse. He would rather be going over fences than working on the flat. Flat lessons are like driving a 10-year-old Honda. But once we start jumping, all of a sudden, he's a Corvette. (laughs) At this point, they are all baby jumps, but he loves it. He has the most lovely built-in lead changes. Ooh, Mm. I don't know what that means either, but it sounds cool. And he always finds the right distance to fences. Horse people will know what this means, she says in parentheses. (laughs) Tyler is now, oh my gosh, 31 and still going he has a wonderful work ethic and is a complete gentleman don't let the begging face fool you he gets all the treat he wants treats he wants oh Oh my gosh wow look at that black and white photo that's beautiful horses are just so stunning barely a little blaze on there and a like almost a star unless that's just gray hair because you know oh look at the beggy face (laughs) i love that oh man so cute. That's so cute. All right, I'm going to I'm going to grab the next two here. Yep. Because you have to answer the second one. And the first up from AJ, I'm a girl fresh from Halloween festivities where I was lucky enough to catch a glimpse of the Pope <gasps> and the Pope's pet dinosaur <laughs> visiting from 6000 years ago when popes and dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the Pope's face, just very benevolent. <laughs> just like, yes, yes, here I am with this dinosaur on a leash. <laughs> That is a benevolent Pope. Yes. And uh, finally, Amy's court is in <gasps> session. Gung, gung. Anonymous groom. Pronouns mm. he and him. Hello, Judge Amy. I'm seeking the court's judgment with regard to a wedding reception seating chart dilemma. Ooh. oh Here we go. Sadly, my grandfather and his daughter, my mother, have a very terribly adversarial relationship. It's so bad that I don't think they can be trusted to sit at the same table as each other mm-hmm. at my wedding. Mm-hmm. The problem is I only have one table for my family Gah. as the groom. How do I navigate this? We thought about seating grandpa at the table with the single women and seating my mother at the children's table, but that seems like it may cause more problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't Please know. Help. Okay. 
Okay. Here's my pitch. Well, there's options. I would say the easiest thing to do, depending on how large your family's, how the large the family table is, and is it a round table or is it a long table, rectangular table? Here's some options. You can have a designated few people in between them. You know what I mean? Um, if it's like a round to one of those round tables that seats 10, I would just put them where they can't really see each other. You know what I mean? Which is not directly across from each other, but like maybe two people in, in between them and, you know, have a conversation and say, this is a very important day for me. So get your shit together. You're adults. Or um, you can split the family up, families up in two tables and like oh, maybe yeah, like a, a family mix and mingle mix and mingle like with the bride's family. You know what I mean? And that way you can just say, I, I just want people to get to hang out with other family members. I don't know. You can do that. Um, or I mean, I don't know. It sounds like your grandpa m- might enjoy the single ladies table in theory. But then I'm, I'm thinking of the actual evening. Weddings are long. Do you want to do that to your friends? Do you want to do that to, to your grandpa? I don't know. So I think maybe maybe those are your two best options without insulting anybody is to have, you know, a mix and match is would be my 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 go to mix and match with other families. Here's how things work in a diabolical Catholic family. <laughs> and here's what I would do. I would seat them both at the same table in hopes, you know, with the optimism that maybe they'll make some sort of amends that day. Right. <laughs> but then the Catholic part of me kicks in and says, if they fight and fuck my day up, I will have that over their heads for Forever. the rest of their lives. Yes. Yes, that, that, that's that, true. Casino hands. That is how this Catholic would handle that. But I don't know yeah. uh, if you're into that sort of diabolical guilt. You know, because to me, that's a win win. It is a win win unless you're going to be worried about it the whole night. You know, if it's going to take away from your experience. Also, I I don't know. This might be maybe too much to um, to ask of your wedding party. But like, you know, I've been at weddings where, you know, someone has a tough relationship with their parent. And as a member of the of the bridal party, like you know, we take turns kind of babysitting the difficult parent, right. you know, and that's because listen, I mean, yes, it's the the most, the most important thing is for you to have a good time at your wedding. And I think your friends will be happy to switch off and kind of check in and make sure everything's okay. So that's option number three, sit them at the Yeah. Table. And also this is the groom. Uh, and right. so that sort of diabolical utilization of a family feud to, you know, <laughs> use over their heads for the rest of their lives. I think works if you're the bride. <laughs> right. Like if yeah. it's your day, you yeah. know, yeah, 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 you yeah, can yeah. do that. But yeah, if it's the groom, buddy, yeah, I would. I'm with you now, Amy. I think there should be just a, a handler, an appointed cooler. Yep. Yeah. And a combination of maybe all of those um, suggestions, you know, do the bride's family and the groom's family half and half. You know, and and just or keep see them how they can't you. see each other and make sure that there's handlers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think like that's that. a good idea. Let us know. I I want to know what happens. Yeah, this is so tricky. You know, weddings are already so stressful, and then the worst thing to have to think about is like people not getting along because you're you know you're focused on you and your partner and having a good time, and then if you have to worry about someone not getting along or not behaving like adults, that's tough. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't uninvite anybody. No. Um, and, you know, sometimes th- sometimes amazing things happen last minute. Like yep. the trouble family member says, I can't make it last minute. And mm-hmm. then you don't have to worry about it. But or, or they, or they just kind of like grow up for that, you know, five hour period of time. Mm. I don't know. You know, 
but yeah, I think that's a maybe that's a good uh, suggestion. Let us know. I'm really I'm invested now. Yeah, me too. And if anyone else has a dispute that they might need solved in Amy's court, gung gung. You can send that in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Amy will be around for a while until she gets her next movie star thing. Oh, God. Ah. has to go and be a movie star with my next boyfriend. Uh, well, you know, I the job I just finished was with Ray Fiennes, and he is quite the hunk. Yeah, that's my other. Yeah, yeah. that's my other. Boyfriend. We're lining him up. That's who I get a hall pass with when I'm with Ryan Reynolds. That's right. OK, good. I'm glad you worked yeah. it out. Um, But but yeah, here's what I'm doing. I'm just amassing gentlemen callers for AG. And then at the end of it, you know, I'm like, have your pick. And then she can do we could do like a like a dating game situation. This is all for da, you. Da, da, da. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> Bachelor number one. What <laughs> yes. movies have you been in? A yeah. Voldemort voice. <laughs> um, yeah, it was real fun. I got to work with Ray Fines, Judith Light. Oh. I know, I know. I know. Uh-oh. I'm dead. I'm dead. Dead, 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 dead. I love her every so much. like for years. Somebody's been saying, "Really?" I've been saying, "That's right, Judith Light." I say it all the time. That's I right, say Judith it all Light. the time. Ooh, I'm gonna tell her that we're we're fast that's friends. That's right, now. Judith Light. Who's um, the boss? That's right. So she, she is. She's the boss, honey. She's the boss. So it was really fun. And but the reason I couldn't do it because I've I've done other jobs and been able to you know do the podcast, but we kind of shot the movie like a play. So we were everybody was there every day. 12 to 14 hours a day. It was super cool fun. Idea. Yeah, it was super fun. But I'm glad that it's finished and I'm glad to be back. So thanks for having me and thanks for waiting. Yeah, of course. Always, always. And everybody, I hope you have a good weekend. Dana's out next week. I will be bringing you the news. Maybe there'll be some special guests. I don't know. But again, you definitely want to make sure you tune into Muller She Wrote this weekend to get all the Rudy Giuliani deets. Oof. And the Manhattan DA deets and the indictment from the Russian source for the Steele dossier deets. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we're going to be covering and be frank. Lucy will be with us. It'll be awesome. So we'll see you then. Amy, we'll see you next week. Until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.